Welcome to the 15th episode of the comic show, Monkeys Fighting Robots. This week we are breaking down Marvel Legacy number one with our lovely gingered beat reporter, Brandon Griffin. Also, the war of jokes and riddles concludes over in Batman land, and we finally get Catwoman's answer to the proposal. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the conversation is my co-host, editor of the comic book section of Monkeys Fighting Robots, Anthony Combusto! Hello to everybody in internet land, except for the son of a motherless goat over at Bleeding Cool that spoiled the Catwoman story. No hello to you, sir. Uh, guys, That's you like Rich Johnson. You can just be like, hey, Rich, like, don't be a dick. I Rich, don't be a dick. Everyone other than Rich, guys, if you like the show, please subscribe on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher. Feedback is very welcome. Please comment, tweet at us, let us know how we're doing and what books you want us reading. Everyone except for Rich. I don't think Rich should uh, leave feedback at this point. The comic show is now sponsored by Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. I will be there this Wednesday. Actually, when you listen to this podcast, I will actually be there. So you can listen to the podcast and then you can see me live on Facebook from Uncanny Heroes. They have so many trades, and trades just keep coming out every week. But each week, and all the time at Uncanny Heroes, every day, trades and graphic novels are 25% off. Uncanny Heroes is located at 12904 North 56th Street in Temple Terrace. Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. Support your local comic book store people. And speaking of support, we had so much fun at Megacon Tampa Bay this past weekend, we gave away this amazing artist edition, John Romita book that was signed by John Romita. He even did a sketch in it, and it was signed by Stan Lee. I cried when I gave this away for the grand prize, but I want to give a huge thanks to all our all the comic book publishers that donated prizes. Uh, DC Comics donated a prize. IDW brought, gave us the grand prize. Image Comics, and boom, all donated graphic novels in comics, and tons of expensive shit that we gave away at Megacon Tampa. So big thanks to Megacon Tampa for letting us have a booth, and all the comic book publishers that supported. I had a lot of fun meeting everybody at the convention. And then, Nerd Roast Coffee Company is probably why I'm all jacked up right now. Nerd Roast Coffee Company has a unique origin like any superhero. Nerd Roast Coffee Company is what happens when developers, designers, and other nerds come together to create the perfect coffee, hence the caffeine high I'm on right now. They wanted to make a delicious coffee that will give you the kick you need to get you through your day. And each bag of coffee features unique comic book artwork. Come on, guys. You have coffee and artwork and shit you can read while you're reading your coffee. Oh, my God. It's just the most insane thing ever. Like you have to check them out on the web at nerdrosecoffee.com and use promo code MONKEYS15 for 15% off your order. Once again, that's nerdrose.com. I did check them out on the web, and I cannot wait to try out Nerd Roast Coffee. They uh, look delicious. They got, it looks like Brazilian, Costa Rican, Colombian. I, I got to get my hands on a bag. And I, I love giving our listeners an inside peek on what we're doing right now. And everybody needs to know... That Anthony Composto is the whitest dude ever. And he's also like a skinny white dude. And right now he is wearing a muscle shirt, like a Batman muscle shirt. Because he says that he's going to go to the gym after this podcast. I am. As soon as we wrap, I'm going down the street to my local gym. Getting my, it, it, it's a leg and chest day. 
for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta go. Gotta go do my workout. I I'm, I can't. I'm just cracking up with the video feed that we have on Skype right now because I'm just like, I just want to see you like flex. You flexed a few times and it's just. Oh man, our our beat reporter Brandon is just missing out on the shenanigans today. I'm so pasty. Like, the, okay, it's the lighting in here too. Just for the record, it's a little bit of the lighting in here. How pasty I look. Uh, I do. I do have a pretty bad farmer's tan though, just from working outside all day. Speaking of pasty, how about that Marvel Legacy number one? <laughs> I thought you were going to say. Speaking of pasty, how about our beat reporter? <laughs> That's what I was I waiting thought... for. <laughs> no, no, because we know that Brandon, if he goes out in the sun, he just turns into ash like poof yeah, brandon goes bye bye anyway well let's yeah marvel legacy but also yeah brandon griffin you're on the line hey brandon how are we doing hey everybody uh matt pasty so i'm taking you weren't uh, you weren't a fan of this 50 page one shot been there done that like i enjoyed a little bit of it but just how it, it this book set up all the other stories but it wasn't a cohesive story and there was no like ending to it we still don't know what the hell's going on with the universe and then the ending is like oh yeah guess what we can do whatever the fuck we want with the universe and it could be anything when we wake up tomorrow yeah i mean i i enjoyed it for the most part i'm still we're recording this on monday by the time this episode drops on wednesday this book will have been out a week already i'm still not completely sure how i feel about it i i like a lot of what it set up but a lot of it did seem really forced like i hated the moments that were just like one page seemingly really out of place just to kind of promote future books it didn't really feel like it needed to be there like odinson drinking with the you know the seer saying oh man gog is coming like that could have cut that probably there were a few pages in there that just kind of promoted other type the deadpool page didn't really speak to marvel legacy for me oh like, that were- was the biggest sellout page of the book i yeah. if i'm ranking what chapters were the biggest sellout? Like that was the one where, like, yeah, we're just putting this in here because we know that there's a few Deadpool freaks out there. But I well, did see, like I disagree some with of the... that. I like I understand that that a lot of them, a lot of the pages and the little like setups and snippets were basically just one page ads with a sample of the art and like a little tiny tease of what's to come uh, story wise. But like. I'm someone who's super burnt out on Deadpool and I've been waiting for a reason to get back into Deadpool and like finding out he killed um, Phil Coulson and that they're folding shield now and to see him getting shot in the face and saying, please, sir, may I have another like that? <laughs> was all I needed. I'm going to read Deadpool when it comes out. Okay. So that was where I wasn't sure. Cause it's been a while since I've been in continuity of Marvel where I was like, okay, I didn't know that they introduced Phil Coulson into the Marvel Universe. Long time Yeah, ago. pretty much after... Right after Avengers. The after first he died in the movie and they brought him back. Oh, spoilers for anyone who's never seen Avengers. <laughs> so after Phil Coulson died in the movie and then they brought him back through Kree blood or whatever bullshit on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they kind of just... They ran with an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. book and everything, too. Yeah, and they did it in the book in kind of a funny way. Like, there was a character that kept popping up, and his nickname was Cheese. Every time you saw him, I think they'd call him Cheese. And uh, that that guy, Cheese, was revealed to be Coulson at some point. Okay, and my one, my one other question about the universe, Marvel Universe and everything. When did Black Panther's world become its own planet? That, I have no freaking idea. Brandon, is this something going too. on in Tanahisa Coates' run? 
No, actually, Black Panther is one of the books, one of the only books at Marvel that I'm like behind a couple issues on, but it, ha- it has nothing to do with the space Wakanda. That was I, I something mean, that was set up in in uh, Jonathan Hickman's Avengers, where Wakanda sent up these like astronauts basically to to set up on another planet. Like I think it was like the fallout of after um, Namor had had during Infinity taken out like all of Wakanda or whatever, and they were just they were trailblazing into space. But that has been completely left on the back burner until now. I don't remember that. Avengers and New Avengers by Hickman are like two of my favorite Marvel runs of the last decade. But like even I totally forgot about that that kind of like throwaway scene of Black Panther like saluting this shuttle being shot into space with a bunch of Wakandans on it. But again, but even that, like they didn't address that too much. Like that was one of those one pages that I feel like could have benefited from a little bit more explanation. Yeah, but at the same time, it's also like aren't you're probably going to read it? You know what I mean? Like it's it kind of did its job in the fact that that it's in, it's interesting. Like it knows it's going to hook you with beautiful artwork of space Wakanda, and you're like, well, what the fuck is that about? I'm going to have to to check that out. Maybe this will be my entry point back into Black Panther, knowing that it's starting at a new it's a new jumping on point. And like that's my main point where I knew that we were all going to disagree on it. Because I absolutely loved Legacy, and I think it completely was exactly what it needed to be. In that, you know, it is kind of like a couple one-page ads and not really much cohesive story throughout the 58 pages or whatever it was. But I wasn't really expecting that. I was just kind of expecting jumping all over the place, introducing some new stuff, kind of like how Rebirth was. Because right, I'm a huge fan of the Celestial thing. And I like the Summon the Final Host, I'm like, okay... Is the celestial because they talk about the celestial being possessed when it comes to Earth and it was like digging for something. So there's something on Earth that they were looking for and then they kept it buried. Or is the celestial and whatever that he was digging for the same thing now? Like those are that's I just want I like that storyline where I was like, okay, there was some there was a battle back in time. Now we're unearthing something, which you know, always cracks me up if you think about like the world and all the technology that's in it in the universe. You're like, oh yeah, we still haven't checked out this one little part of the world, and there's still something buried giant underneath it. Like you'd figure that like uh, Reed Richards would have already scanned the Earth for giant celestial bodies buried beneath the ground, but that's just neither here nor there. That's just me nitpicking there. But like, yeah, I, that comes along with the territory of reading comic books, <laughs> right? Um, but I really like that part of the story. And even though Starbrand is one of the dumber characters in the world, I was still intrigued about, okay, what is this mystery thing that we're looking for? And then they just don't, they don't tell you what it is. Like, you don't get a clue, at least with, and I hate to compare this to Rebirth, but it is a Rebirth. It's basically impossible not to, though. Right. But at least at the end of Rebirth, you were like, oh, fuck, they're going to introduce the Watchmen. Like, you got the, you don't know how they were going to do it. But you got that, like, that was the end game. Like, we don't know what the end game is here. And then we also got a lot of ads in between for other comic books, like teasers and kind of things. So I was like, that's yeah, where I was actually, like a little, you know. In preparation for this, and let me, let me start out by saying two things before we get deep into the, to the balls of legacy. One, I love DC Comics, and I absolutely love DC Rebirth. And two, I am wearing gym shorts and a Prince t-shirt, just to update everyone on what we're wearing. Um, so the, I went back yesterday and skimmed through 
uh, DC Rebirth, and comparing it to, you know, like the reviews I've read and the comments, the hate, basically, that I get every time I say something nice on Reddit about Marvel, um, and going through DC Rebirth, like, yeah, there was, there was more, there was way more pages to, to, to pick through, so there was more time to set up things, and it, there was, you know, way less ads, but there was still, like, the dark side baby and um, the shit going on with the button, and, like, it still did jump around and showed, like, Duke Thomas and Jessica Cruz. Like, it just flashed real quick um, all over the DC uh, universe and everything in Rebirth, but nobody had a problem with that. That's probably because I liked Wally West, and I was really pissed <laughs> that he was gone. So, so when he came back, I was like, like Logan? But it's... Okay, the the part where I got I was fine with everything that happened in the book. I was completely fine with like okay, if they're introducing new characters, this is what's going not not new characters, but they're introducing introducing new storylines. We're going along, we're going along. I Logan's back. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what else. You know, Loki is the Sorcerer Supreme, so we got that moving along. I even you know the connection of the beer truck that was following everybody. But then we get to the one two. We get to the we get to the last two pages and we find out who's narrating the book, and then yeah. I'm like, "Fuck you guys!" Because it's these guys are like they're like we can make any universe we want, and like so it's so kind of like Doctor Manhattan, yeah, exactly like Doctor Manhattan. And I'm fine with I I'm fi- if Doctor Manhattan comes in and is like, "Oh yeah, I just created this universe," I'm gonna be like, "That's the cheapest cop out ever." Like. When you can easily, when you have somebody that's so powerful and so crazy, and this is, you know, when you're like, I can suspend my disbelief that there's a buried celestial in the earth that Reed Richards hasn't found yet with all his gadgets. But when you have like the little kids like, bink, like, oh, I'm going to create a new universe because didn't they already do that with Heroes Reborn back in the late 90s and early, early aughts? Isn't that what Franklin Richards did to begin with? All right, first of all, they're called gizmos that Reed Richards has, so <laughs> we're going to clear the air on that. Um, secondly, I, re- like, I didn't have a problem with the kids being at the, at the end and being the narration and kind of being at like, the forefront of the mystery, basically, and they'll be, they'll be what the Watchmen are in the background of have, has been for the, the, what are we at now, like a year and a half of DC Rebirth? Like, I'm, I'm down with the Fantastic Four especially Franklin and Valeria, you know, kind of being like the Dr. Oz and, or Mr. Oz um, and these, these characters that are pulling the strings, but we don't know how, we don't know why. Um, they don't really, they play some big important role, but we don't really know because Valeria, I mean, like she's named after Doom's mom. She's always had this weird relationship with Doom. Doom, last time he was, you know, not the infamous Iron Man, he was a god. Um during Secret Wars, so, like, I think you can kind of make Valeria like the Dr. Manhattan, where she has all this power, and she doesn't, you know, she's kind of, like, misguided because she's a kid still, and her mentor, basically, was Victor Von Doom for so long that her being in the background and kind of at the helm of, like, the universal stakes and stuff like that, like, I'm totally bought into that. Yeah, I don't mind it being the kid so much. Matter of fact, there's even something about quote unquote legacy in that in that it's a new generation, you know, kind of helping bring things back to the way they were. It's like, you know, children of the future or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But there, there, there's something to it. I don't mind the kids being it. 
Uh, I just want to jump back a second because we're, we're kind of tying it into DC Rebirth a little bit. We're wait, talking a, wait about a second. About... Wait a second. Wait. I, I well, I'm going to give you your chance to talk about this. But you're these kids are like all powerful and they can just make whatever universe they want. So there's no rules to these comic books that are going to come out in the future. So whatever happens, like oh Wolverine's back, and then it's like old man Wolverine's back, and then like Franklin's like bloop. Okay, old man and and Logan, they're, they're the same now. Like, how is that enjoyable reading? I'm not saying it's well, enjoyable reading. Yet. I think that, that there have been plenty of times in comic book history that they've done that, and it sucks. Right. But you, but you don't know yeah. that's what they're going to do. And we don't know that it, that's exactly what it is yet, too. Same way we don't know what the hell is going to happen in Doomsday Clock. We don't know if Manhattan's... Okay, but we at least established, like, and I hate, I hate that DC is doing a better marketing job than marvel is because i'm actually a marvel person at heart like i started marvel and then you know read dc second but at least marvel's like uh, dc saying like hey we're doing this for the fans we're building this up like we've talked with these guys and there's sent there, there's a lot of excitement around what's going on with rebirth and then when we talked to marvel it was all depression and like no joy and like it's it's I'm not confident. It's like, you know, like I'm a Bears fan. And, you know, if they said, hey, we're going to do a rebirth right now and we're going to put it out there. I'm like, I don't really trust the management right now to, to put a rebirth out for the Chicago Bears. Like, I'm no, on- and there wasn't a lot of hope in this issue like there was in rebirth. I'll, I'll give it. I, I agree with you there. Like rebirth was very upbeat. There was a lot of hope. It was a very happy book. This felt very kind of melodramatic a little bit. I love Jason Aaron's writing for the record, but it did. It just had kind of had a mellow tone whereas rebirth was like you know bright and hopeful this was still kind of like ominous and like something's happening the shoe's gonna drop like even well, though I think rebirth that is is tied into the art too like Assad Ribic with Steve McNiven and Matthew Wilson doing colors and all of the the ads by Alex Maleev and Chris Samney and stuff like that but like having Ribic do the overall I mean his art really is it's always you know like a grand scale like him on um God of Thunder, was it God of Thunder he did with Aaron? The beginning of the yeah. Thor run, yeah. yeah, with the God so like that with, uh, with yeah with um the God Butcher, yeah God Butcher yeah, yeah. So but like it just comes with the territory of Ribic's art where it's all very, it's all very grand and it's very thick. It's very complicated and it's kind of got a darker tone to it. But I mean, when it needed to be kind of uplifting, like I I felt it. I felt it in my plums. I mean, again, this is this is me just. Also, I mean, I paid for this book, and I was like, "Oh." Uh, but this is. Well, mean, yeah, that's that, that's the one thing that like it's hard not to compare the two books because they're basically the same thing. It's the big two; they've been doing this to each other back and forth since the beginning of time. But if if you can throw away that you got an extra quarter of a book for half of the price from DC Rebirth. You know, if you throw that out the window, then I think that they're good. They're on the same level almost for, for different reasons. But if if you bring it down to monetary value, then, yeah, there's no competition. Um, but, no, I like, again, I really I love Celeste. I'm a Thor fan, and I'm a Spider-Man fan. That's, like, where the heart is on me with Marvel. Um, so this Celestial thing, I always is like this great concept that's out there. And I loved how they portrayed it in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie with the head and, and mining it. Like that was in the comic books and it was like brilliant. Um, 
so I wanted more information about this celestial. And I, I read this book, and now I don't know where to go to find that information. I'm thinking it has to be the Doctor Strange book with Loki Wait, in the it. Celestial? Yeah. Well, you'll get more on the Celestial by following that Million BC Avengers book. I assume that would be where the next step of it would be. That would be taking place in the past, but I do. But I agree that it might be showing up in Donny Cates' Doctor Strange as well, since that's where Loki's going to be. I, I agree. I, there wasn't much direction at the end where they were like, "Oh, well." I, there's a page where they're like, "Oh, follow this adventure in this book. Follow this adventure in this book." But none of those were like, "And follow the Celestial here," or "Follow the, you know, one million BC Avengers here." Like, it was kind of the smaller stories that they were promoting. Right. So the and then. And this is my last critique, and I will let everybody kind of talk here. But, like, Logan holding an Infinity Gem just seems awkward. It was awkward how aroused I was by it. <laughs> we need to... I, I, I want to say something else, but we need to circle back to the Infinity Stone because we got a little bit of feedback online. Someone wants us to talk about that, so we got to circle back I'm to that. I'm all about it. But I'm Mr. Cosmic Marvel. I'm all about Infinity Stones. I'm all about the cosmic thread from this and what's been going on in Marvel Cosmics through like Guardians and Black Bull and Royals and everything. I love I love Marvel Cosmic just like Abnet and Lanning's run, Annihilation through Thanos Imperative. This whole modern cosmic don't don't got nothing on that as far as I'm concerned, but I'm still I'm still in it. What I'll say for Marvel Legacy, and Matt, this is going off what you were saying, I wanted to see more of the Celestial. I want to see more of the, you know, one million BC Avengers or whatever. I don't know what the solution to this was. I don't know if it's to make the book bigger or keep it at this length but lose some of these superfluous one-page ads, we'll call them. But I feel like this book would have had a greater impact if we returned to those 1 million BC Avengers at some point. If it, you know, Even if you bookend it, like if that was like, you know, towards the ending or if you kept kind of seeing it throughout the book or if they gave us more with Loki or just if they brought together the modern day hosts by the end, that would have been freaking awesome. Like we have one panel of iron fist and Dr. Strange in this book where he's just like, Hey, you ever dream you were a caveman who murdered a God and Dr. Strange is like, yeah, many times. And then we see nothing more from that. Hey, from the don't you forget book. about Norman Osborn versus the shrubbery. Yeah. I don't need Norman Osborn versus the shrubbery. <laughs> Give me, I want to know more about the cavemen murdering gods. Like, should, that's like, the point, by by though, the end of the book, we should have had like Thor and Iron Fist, Doctor Strange, you know, Black Panther. They should have been coming together, and, and maybe and, and we know they're bringing back the Phoenix. Maybe you know, tease something like that. Like there could have been, I feel like it could have been so much uh, better done, just kind of tying everything together instead of wasting time on some of these other pages. And then, and then when you get back, if you, you finish the book and then you go back through it, like, Jarvis confirms that they're fucking with us. Yeah. Because he's like, ah, there's something off in this area. Like, something's off in Avenger Mansion. Like, somebody messed with reality, and he's, like, the only person who knows what's going on. I think he thought he was thrown off by the fact that there was a wasp and she had not been beaten up by her husband yet. I think that's what he was talking about. Doesn't that Ooh. only happen in the Ultimate Universe? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, it happened in it happened in the MCU like in the 616? Yeah. Yeah. That's why Hank Pym and Ultron have like they're like the same guy now. Ah, oh, shit. Why do they keep messing with stuff? 
Just Hank Pym. They just they just keep fucking with Hank Pym over and over again. <laughs> poor Hank. Nobody... And Jarvis. Oh, poor Jarvis. Um, I want to bring it up. We got uh, a question on Reddit from a user, Black Bolt's Voice, uh, who's you know, a frequent listener. He's commented a couple of times now. Thanks for listening. He wants to know, with Logan having an Infinity Stone, what are our thoughts about him uh, possibly joining the Guardians of the Galaxy? I guess Gary Dugan, the writer, has kind of said that they're going to be getting a new member soon. He's teasing a new member. And uh, Black Bolt's Voice wants to know if it could be Logan and what we think. Well, that's the easiest way to have old man Logan and Logan in the same universe is get one in outer space. So It would be. So for lazy writing, which Marvel kind of does a lot, I would go with that theory. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm like totally in love with the with Duggan's Guardians of the Galaxy, and I am a gigantic Logan fan, obviously, but I don't really know if I want him to be on the Guardians. When he said that there was an, a member coming back, like I knew it wasn't going to happen, but my fingers were crossed for like Bug or someone else from Abnett and Lanning's run. Yeah. Um, but I think Logan having an, having an Infinity Stone what I saw from that is basically just that he's not going to be joining the X-Men immediately. He'll be more of in the realm of like the Avengers level stuff and not really be messing or like immediately jumping back into what's going on with the, the blue and gold teams and everything. And that'll well, also give them time to wrap up old man Logan and figure out which universe to chuck him into. See, that's interesting. Cause I was going to say that I feel like putting him on the guardians of the galaxy right away would kind of be a slap in the face to a lot of fans because, you know, they've been waiting years for, you know, True Blue Logan to come back and immediately they're going to chuck him into space when people probably want to see him with the X-Men. Uh, so, but I feel like even even what you're saying is keeping him on Earth but still keeping him away from the X-Men, that'd still kind of be a slap in the face. Well, it depends because, the, I mean, we're not only just used to, like before Death of Wolverine, Wolverine... I mean, we still kind of get it, even when he was dead. But there's, he's on every fucking Marvel team. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not ever. He hasn't just been an X Men since like Claremont. And <laughs> so if he comes back and you know he's needed more for Avengers level threats and not really doesn't really get a chance to go back to any mutant drama until Infinity Stone level things are taken care of, then I'd be okay with it. What stone does he have again? The blue one? What's blue? Blue is uh, mine? Or time, I think. Oh, so you can stop or, time? Or change it? Yeah, oh, my, mind. mind. About... Yellow is time. Blue is mind. Okay, it's mind. Mind. So, taken from the Grand Master. That's what somebody said. So who knows what he's going to do with that? Is it weird to anyone else that Jean Grey, that following page, you know, she went and she found the adamantium shell empty and she smiles and she's like, oh, we missed you or whatever. Because that's not Jean. That's old Jean. I mean, or young yeah, Jean. She like, been, she's been around since when did they originally get taken back? When Bendis was still writing X-Men? So they've been in our time. It's been a couple years. And he was definitely around... A gene yeah, but enough, she you know? doesn't have that. But she still never had that relation. I mean, not as far as I could tell. She never had had the same relationship with Logan that original Gene had. I feel like you could have put a character that was much closer with him in that spot. Logan's a creep. He probably had sex with a teenager. He's yeah, well, not... they always have that connection. Plus, she probably you know read somebody's fucking memories or something, and was like, oh, "I know Logan. I know the relationship." Yeah, that's the problem <laughs> with really powerful characters. They're super dumb and easy to write. 
<laughs> and what you don't fill in the blanks for, the fans do with bullshit like I just said. <laughs> okay, it wouldn't be an episode without me bitching about Spider-Man. Hey, thank you for belittling Norman Osborn and making him a shrub fighter. Oh, my well, God. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of Spider-Man, how did you guys feel about there not being any sort of web-slinging hero in this for it being their gigantic... Uh, Rebirth. Yeah, I mean, you're considering Spider-Man being the face of Marvel and the best-selling character they've ever had and basically the character that has kept them alive for the last few decades? Yeah, no, no he's big also, deal, I guess. Well, he's also the only one that doesn't really need a sales boost. Well, according to Bleeding Cool, I read a report that Jason Aaron uh, sent Dan Slott some pages to read and Slot accidentally ate him. <laughs> So Dan Slott, please good. also don't leave any feedback or reviews on this podcast. No, it was it was the best ever. Uh, Anthony and I were just bemoaning the Megacon panel with Dan Slott. And then Dan Slott gave some advice about how to write and if you have writer's block. And he was like, uh, I forgot how it got worded, but like he was talking about, well, you know, sometimes you need to eat your dessert first. And Anthony's like, well, it looks like Dan Slott has eaten a lot of dessert lately. <laughs> <laughs> that's and easy. now that's on the internet. Thanks. Uh, you can just bleep it out. You can just be like, blank said. It's fine. I want. I almost took credit for it, but I was like, no, Anthony said it. I didn't. You know, it's it's what he said. I don't. I don't remember. I that. laughed so- heartily, so it's fine. I can join the ranks of that one too. I mean. Ah, we'll never say anything like that about Scott Snyder or Tom King, you know, because Tom King will kill us. <laughs> He'll kill us. Yeah, Tom King will literally torture to. us through CIA tactics. Yeah, he's definitely still got buddies that work for the CIA. Yeah. But also, thanks to Tom King, at least now I know how to get out of an interrogation. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, that's shit. Another... You shit yourself. That's but, you shit yourself, are, exactly. Like, that's another piece of information he gave at Megacon. If you ever find yourself being interrogated, shit your pants because they will let you out. <laughs> but so, all right. So back to legacy. At the end of the day, how? Like, give me like a percentage of these these legacy books, Marvel books that are carrying the Marvel Legacy banner on them. How many of your of them are you going to give at least an issue chance? Let me open up the back of this. I got my I got my lenticular Jason Aaron autographed legacy here. Let me open it up to the back and see what titles. Yeah, gonna... you paid five bucks and you didn't get an interview. <laughs> I'm sorry, you you cut out there. I couldn't hear what you said. I'm gonna go back to what I was saying now. Uh... Okay, we can go through. Uh, are we gonna read Stephen Roger or Stephen Rogers? Steve Rogers, Captain America. Yes, I'm gonna go Fuck back yeah. to reading Captain America. I I love Wade and Samney. I love all their collaborations. I will. I will go back to reading. Okay, this Captain is kind America. of like a speed round, so just don't, you know, say Captain America, yes. Thor, okay. yes. Whoa, Iron whoa, Man, whoa, no. whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, this is a group effort. I'm I'm in charge of this right here. I'm taking charge. Anthony, Brandon, you chime in, then I will say yes or no as well. Okay, Captain America. Anthony. Yes. 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 Yeah, okay, yes on that one. I'm, I'm not feeling it. I need time. Thor, I'm definitely going to read. Yes. Absolutely. Invincible Iron Man. No. Absolutely. Nobody cares where Tony Stark is. <laughs> Marvel 2-in-1, the Fantastic Four-ish book. Yep. Yeah, I'll check that out. There's a yeah, mystery spoiler there. Spoiler alert, I'm going to say yes to everything except for, like, two books. Okay, Black Panther. Yep. No. 
I have no care for that one. Incredible Hulk. Yep. Yeah, but just for like an issue or two to see. But he was never he wasn't in Legacy at all, was he? Did I miss it? There was a one no, page they ad. Mentioned yeah. him. Where was he? It what was, was he uh, doing? What was he doing in Legacy? Hulk was calling him. Yeah, he oh, wasn't in it. He oh, wasn't okay. in it. Yes, that was where they teased tease it. Uh Deadpool's a no for me. No. Yep. Yep. Gonna Ma- give it a shot. My first Deadpool book in like six years. Amazing Spider Man, I will read. Absolutely. Yeah, but I'm so close to dropping that title again. Uh, the Avengers 672. Yep. I, I'll say yes for now, but jury's out. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is a no for me. Absolutely. It's the best fucking book at Marvel right now. Yeah, it's still a no for me. Who's writing it? Jerry Duggan. X-Men Blue. Yep. Nah. Oh, man. What are, you doing? Are, are these are these covers connected for X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold? Yeah, Mojo yeah. Worldwide is the next thing. It's a crossover between Blue and Gold. Uh, they get me on the crossover. I love the covers. The covers look good. Who doesn't want to read a Mojo story when Trump's president? Oh, wow. Uh, is Longshot in it? Yep. Okay. That's I- what the lenticular reveal was. I'm in. I'm in for anything long shot. So I'm fine with. Can that. we just can we say real quick that they reversed these covers in the back of Marvel Legacy? They put them in the wrong order. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> some. Sh- that's some shitty editing right there. X Men Gold. I'm also a no on. There's a longer checklist in the back. There's just a few other titles that I'll definitely you know keep reading and check out. Uh, Doctor Strange. Can't wait for Donny Cates to take that over. Donny. Donny's the man. Yeah, Jessica Jones. I uh, I kind of want to go read because they're doing the return of the Purple Man, and that was the best story from the original Alias. Was Purple? That so has I'll actually that. that has actually been good before that too. It's one of the only books post Secret Wars to touch on the fact that there used to be more universes and there's not anymore. There are certain people in the Six One Six universe that remember how it used to be before, with I'm the Ultimate Universe and Six One Six. I'm, then I might even go back and catch up on it. Moon Knight, so glad they're doing another Moon Knight run. Yeah, because it's going to last like 18 issues. Can't wait for that. I don't mind that, though. <laughs> I mean, those are that, like, Moon Knight, it feels like a character that you can do short, standalone runs. That way you can just, like, kind of pick up a, a collection. I'm happy for it. Wait, you. remember the, the Warren Ellis run? Every single issue was the self contained single story. Yeah, it was great. Oh, and it got canceled. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. The book that everybody loved got canceled. This is where oh, Anthony. This is where Anthony gets bitter, and he just is quiet. He's like, "I'm not talking anymore," because you just keep bashing what I like. <laughs> okay, good for you. <laughs> you know what book I'm really excited for is the Royals number nine because they compiled all the issues of Inhumans and they got to nine. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh man, I Thor is uh, Thor is what I'm excited for. I'm trying to think. Thor's what else. been good. Like I've been reading Thor nonstop for friggin' ever. Like Jason Aaron's Thor is just um, yeah. Great. Jason Aaron's never gonna write a bad Thor story. No, I will keep reading. I don't know. I don't know if they're actually gonna be killing Jane Foster or not. But she's got I'm, cancer. Dead. I just shrugged. No one else can see me. <laughs> no. <laughs> wait, wait, which one did you say? <laughs> the death of Jane Foster. They they can't pull with that in the title. They can't be like, oh, and we found a cure for cancer. <laughs> no, they can't. <laughs> yeah. Plus, that'll be like a whole arc for Sam Wilson, too, if she dies. Oh, you guys got to catch me up on that part. How long have they been a, a, you know, how long's that been going on? Are they a thing, for... though? I feel like they just make out from time to time. Yeah, they're not like, 
they're not like hot and heavy, but they have like a superhero. They're like I read every issue of uh of Sam's Cap Run and really liked it and well for the most part. But he not that long ago, like within a year ago, was with Misty Knight again. So somewhere within the last year when they're in costume, Sam and Thor make out occasionally. And then I remember, I don't, I don't think he has like, I've, I haven't seen Sam with like cancer Jane or anything like that. So they're not like super serious. No. Well, they like it even, I don't know, Thor, like chick Thor said, like Jane Foster wouldn't be into that. Like, but when, you know, they're battling, she's like, ah, I'm, you know, I want to go, you know, make out with some men afterwards, which I kind of get. Like, it's it's funny. It kind of reminds me of, like, uh, Black Cat, Spider-Man, or Batman, Catwoman. Like, that heat of the battle kind of costume, cosplay, yeah. fun shenanigans that they do. Or even just, yeah. like, old school, you know, Odinson, like, male Thor. Like, you see old Thor stories or flashbacks where he does the same thing, where he has battle and then just wants to, like, drink and bang Hercules. You know, kind of a yeah. There's just something about wielding that hammer that just makes you super horny, all the time. So yeah, weird. no matter what, no matter what kind of parts you got, I'm so glad that we. I'm so glad that we've gotten to like more mature writing in our comic books and a grittier hero because it's 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 really fun. <laughs> it's really fun, guys. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> robots, Marvel Legacy number one. How many? Three out of five robots, my friend. Three. Three. There's nothing that blew me away. And then the whole Fantastic Four brats being able to manipulate the universe just angers me. I will go 3.75. I feel like that's so fair. I, <laughs> yeah, Brandon, so you can go ahead, mine? too. Yeah. Ooh, I'm honored. Uh, well, I, let me let me premise this by saying I would be a, a robot over a monkey. But Okay, I'll be sure to give you robots. <laughs> I would give it 4.4 robots like I did in my piece about it. And we're horrible hosts. Like, we should have prefaced this podcast at the beginning, not at the 40-minute mark, that you wrote a really good article about unpacking Marvel Legacy to kind of go through all the shenanigans that happened in this book. Because there are a lot of shenanigans, and you unpacked it properly. Well, you could totally edit doing that, and we could you could like do the intro part of it after the fact. There you go. Post production technology. Not feeling it. Not 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 feeling it. Brando, yeah, I think this might have been better. <laughs> Brando, did you read Batman Thirty Two? Uh, I did not yet. Okay, well, this I guess this is where we kick you off the podcast. Well, fuck. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun as always. Oh wait, do you want to know what I'm reading? Yeah, what are you reading this week, Brandon? Oh, uh, well, other than all of the legacy titles, every single fucking one of them, I'm going to be reading Extremity Number 7, which is a fantastic book by Image that is coming back for its second arc. It's one of the best books out there on shelves. You should pick it up. Um, and then Slots Number 1, I'm excited. is another book by Image. It's coming out this week. Um, I actually don't know too much about it. I just saw the preview pages in Image Plus, and I was sold by that and didn't want anything spoiled for me. I know how weird that is these days. Um, but then outside of those, I'm really excited for Captain Phasma. If you're not re- if you're a Star Wars fan, you're not reading this Road to the Last Jedi uh, Captain Phasma book. It's on issue three of five or six, and it's pretty awesome. 
I can attest to that. The Phasma book is uh, is, is excellent. Yeah, I was bad. very happy to see some Captain Phasma cosplay this past weekend. That was pretty Ooh, impressive. That must have been expensive. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, silver duct tape. You know, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. All right, Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show. Can't wait to talk to you in a few weeks. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. See you next month. Well, now that we got the dirty Penguins fan off the line, let's let's talk about some Batman. Wait, I thought he was a Flyers fan. Is that any better, though? Really? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's yellow and black or orange and black. They're both hideous uniforms. Yeah. He's a Penguins fan, though, and I feel like it's a little bit worse. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm just going to say it's worse because I know it'll annoy him. At least Philadelphia is, like, close to the water. Pittsburgh's, like, in the middle of nowhere. Welcome back to NHL Talk with Matt and Anthony. Anyway, uh, yeah, Batman 32 is out this week. It is the conclusion to the War of Jokes and Riddles. It is the answer to the proposal. We get Catwoman's answer to Bruce, you know, asking her to marry him. Uh, it's a big week. You may have already seen this news leaked on the internet a few days early. But we're going to talk about it anyway, and if you haven't seen the news... Uh, we're going to spoil some stuff, so make sure you're ready for that. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Batman 32. So and everything that happens in it. This, and is, it's, this is your it's chance. Glorious. This is your chance to like hang up or turn off the podcast because spoilers are coming. Spoilers. It's glorious. It's written by Tom King. Art, once again, by Mikkel Janine. I thought it was a great conclusion. We'll I, get hate, I hate when stuff. you say it's glorious because like, you make it sound like you're speaking for both of us. No, I'm speaking for myself. Okay, well, just clarify that when you, like, go crazy on a book like this, because, like, I want to make sure you're not speaking for both of us. Okay, I'd like to say that I, Anthony Composto, thought that this was a great conclusion to The War of Jerks and Riddles. I was very satisfied. And we do have a full review, a written review, of this book on Monkeys Fighting Robots uh, from Manny Gomez. He's a regular Batman reporter. He covers every issue, so that's up as well. So be sure to check out Manny's review. Are you saying that this book wasn't glorious, Matt? All right, because there's two different parts to this. There's two different parts of this book. There's one, the proposal, which I could give two shits about. Uh, and then there is the War of Drokes and Riddles, which actually is the important part, like where you delve into the dynamic of Bruce Wayne and Batman and the shit that went down and what happened in the book. And yeah. the problem here is how many issues was this? Like 22 issues of War and Jokes and Riddles or 48? I don't know how many issues it was. Eight. It was like eight issues. It was eight issues. And then the plot twist is like two sentences. And this just like slapped me in the face, not in a good way. Like I was so upset with this book because I think a book like The Killing Joke where it's that one bad day and you go through those epic things where like you felt people being twisted apart and you felt, you know, morality being tossed to the ground and stepped on where this, you didn't go through that emotion and it's just a simple twist real quick. And then, then it's over with. And you're like, Oh, we're like between the Riddler telling you exactly what happened and Batman trying to kill the Riddler, that should have been like two issues of itself. 
And I know Tom King has it in him to write that many words, but that right there should have been two issues. And all the other bullshit that we waited through could have been pared down. So I know last issue of Batman, your complaint was that it was kind of superfluous. You didn't feel like there was a lot going on. It was so you think that some of the stuff happening here in this conclusion should have been last issue. And then we could have done more with this. Well, the, the point where the Riddler says like, Hey, you know, I ruined kite man's life. And I, this was, this was all me trying to get the Joker to laugh. Right. Is that yeah. what happened? That's what it was. Yeah. The whole war of jokes and riddles was the Riddler manipulating situations. He planned everything down to a T because he thought, that Kite Man, of all people, bringing the Riddler down would be enough to make the Joker laugh. Like, that was his challenge. He even says to Batman, he's like, none of this is about you. Like, you're just here. You're not a challenge. But making the Joker laugh, that's a challenge. So, yeah, he manipulated the whole war of jokes and riddles, intended to lose from the start just to make Joker laugh. And failed. And, and, And failed. And then it was... Batman snapping is what made the Joker laugh again. Like, and I that, love that page so much. Right, and it's it's weird because at one point, the, you know, like I understand that like it's not about Batman. Like I understand that, but then like you don't feel anything from Batman. Like there needed to be more, like because the book is Batman. There needed to be more emotion of like understanding like the pain and the grit and the grime, and then. You know, going through those pages of seeing people's names, or like, okay, it's personal. These people are dead. I get it. Yada yada yada. But like, there's no attachment. There's not a lot of attachment to that. It's just faces on a wall, and it just kind of blows through really quick. Uh, to where I was like, if the punchline of the Riddler saying what he said was maybe two issues ago, and then you went through like a whole issue of the turmoil of Batman and the insides, then. Batman tries to stab the Riddler, and then that's where you ended out. I would have been more satisfied with that story. With, like, the knife being thrust and then cliffhanger, and then next issue you find out that, like, the Joker stepped in and whatnot? Yeah. But then I feel like like that moment wouldn't have landed as well. Like, like doing it here, I felt like it had more emotional weight, whereas if the issue ended with the thrust and the next issue started with the Joker's hand out there, stopping the knife and then laughing and oh that's funny and i feel like then him laughing wouldn't have had the weight that it would have it would have been more of just like you know another another case of a cliffhanger being overturned you know at the following I, I, yeah i don't know again i don't know how to like make it work but i do i like i know that we needed more batman turmoil and i know it's just like a little twist for like one second he is going bad you know, and then that last issue could have been like the Joker, you know, because the, the Joker needs Batman to be good for the Joker to do what the Joker does. So, like, the Joker can't have Batman be a bad person. So yeah. that's why he comes in and saves him. Because, like, it's just weird. It's just weird. Is that why he does it? Because I thought the reason he does it is because, you know, what's the difference between a joke and a riddle? Right? That was That was his reasoning. Yeah, that's the short reasoning, but the long but the long meta reasoning is if Batman if Batman became a villain, there would be no Joker versus Batman. I feel like you're kind of missing the point though of it because Joker's answer is why did you stop me? Joker says, "What's the difference between a joke and a riddle?" And when you know that, then you'll understand. Catwoman answers that for him. 
Catwoman's like, who cares? Like they like who cares? Like you like don't read so much into everything. Don't you know break yourself down over so much. Just like who cares? Enjoy the ride a little bit. I don't think we're supposed to read into it too much. I don't think that's how Tom King's designing this. Like I feel like he's speaking through Selena there. Yeah, but Batman's never not going to read into everything. That's the whole point of like being the greatest detective ever is you always look at everything from every angle. But he overdoes it. Right. That's and, that's what and, detectives do. And he overdoes do. it on himself. Like yeah. it's not just not just detective work, it's being too hard on himself. And now he's with Selena and you know they're engaged and whatnot. You're married. Like being with your wife, weren't there things about yourself that have changed and gotten better? Weren't there elements of yourself that if you were too analytical or too self-deprecating or too hard on yourself, didn't being with someone like help you kind of alleviate those things? Cause you realize like why, like who cares about some of these things? Like as long as I'm, you know, with, you know, Selena or Margo or Brooke or whoever we're with, like, you know, we're happy. Yeah. But there's a difference between being happy and like being Batman. Like, a happy Bruce Wayne is less of Batman. Yeah, Bat- I'm not sure how it's going to go. Batman, I'm going to say right now, you know, I'm I mean, not sure if I'm thing. down with that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And I mean, I, I can tell this from personal experience. Is like when you when you have an edge and you're angry and you've got some you know rage in you, like you can accomplish more athletically at that point in time. But like when you're mellow and you're happy and you're kind of cheerful, like – it's hard to dig into that, like, to get to that amped level. And it, it, each person is different. Like, for me, like, I had uh, I, I had a shitty-ass time with some shit going on in my life and women. And I ran my best time ever at, like, an, AK, at an 8K. And then the following year, life was roses and everything was fine. And I ran that 8K, and I was like, what the fuck am I riding in this 8K for? Like, life is good. Like, it's just, it's, you know, before it was like, I'm just angry, and I'm getting all that stuff out of me. And then when you're happy, I was like, I, there's no problem. Why am I running? You know? And it, no, I agree. And a, a, a Bruce Wayne and a Batman who can let go of his inner pain and his turmoil isn't Batman, because that's the whole thing that makes Batman is him holding on to his greatest pain. I agree with you, and I'm not sure how it's going to work. I'm just—I was trying to analyze. I'm just analyzing this one issue, and you know what, what we're, what's going on with it. Where it goes from here, it could go really badly. It could because there's a lot in Tom King's run from start to finish about him letting go of pain and you know kind of being a new man. And then they threw the button in there where he met you know Thomas from Flashpoint, who told him, "Don't be Batman. Like, let it go." Like, they're going in this direction. They're going to explore how that works. And and it might not. It probably won't. Be, and it'll probably come crashing down again. You know, just presumably. You need that pain to be Batman. But in this one issue, they're saying, "Who cares?" She's saying, "Who cares?" Yes. Yeah, she. Yeah. Selena is saying, "Who cares?" A Batman's not saying that. And honestly, by her saying, "Who cares?" But that's her personality and stuff like that. But also with a, with a saying like that. I feel like she almost signs her, like, death warrant. Like, I can see Selena Kyle getting killed off now. Yeah, but then, again, then it opens up a whole other can of worms because do you continue down the dark path now holding on to more pain, or do you think she wouldn't want me to hold on to this pain? She would want me to let it go. She told me that, so I'm still going to learn to let it go. Or do you go against what your 
you know, your lover, your fiance said, and still hold on to that pain and whatever. So that would just open up a whole other can of, well, uh, the only reason yeah. why I'm I'm feeling like that going down that route is because of what's going on in DC Metal, and I don't know how well tied this stuff all is together. But yeah. we have all these different versions of Batman who went to the brink and failed, and now we're going to get to this one version of Batman that's going to get pushed to the brink and succeed and beat them down. So what is that brink point? Who's going to have to die? Where is it going to happen? You know, like all that kind of dark shit is going to happen, I think. And that's just, you know, and again, I don't know how connected these are going to be or if they're even connected at all. But like, They will be connected. I mean, Scott Snyder has talked about how him and Tom King have been talking and everything will tie together at some point. So I don't, I don't know what the timeline is. I don't know if metal takes place before or after this, but they, they will tie together. Yeah, and so I can see her getting killed and then Batman, like, falling in line with all the other metal Batman and then him being like, no, that's not, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to dig myself out of this hole or whatever it is that Selena Kyle says to him yeah. to, to, to get out of it and stuff. I don't know. She does probably have to die. That's really the only way I can, unless they just go full throttle and they get married and that's, you know, the course of Batman for the next few years. If they're look if if they're gonna take it away, she does have to die. They can't just, you know, make her change her mind or make Bruce change her mind or something like that. Because I feel like that'd be a cop out. Like they they kind of have to kill her, which again I think would open up some real complex you know ideas as far as what he should do and if he should you know kind of keep her in mind and her wants in mind. I don't know if the Dark Knights are going to come and play. Like you're saying, I think what you were saying is, is he going to think about the Dark Knights and how they went down the wrong road and how he can't go down the dark road? I don't think they're going to tie it into metal that much, but but who knows? That's the only reason why it's making me think of that is because I've already read three stories about three different Batman going to the brink and failing. Yeah, but but I Tom had this story I think plotted and planned before metal. Again, that's where the timeline you don't know you don't know unless you're like actually in the head of Scott Snyder and Tom King of what's going on here and there. And then it's these these are tropes in comic books that that hurt comic books. You know, whether it's whether it's marriage or having kids or or those things because they kind of like weaken the core, I guess, of it or not not that they weaken the core, it's that they're never going to stay there long term. Because some other writer is going to be like, oh, it's too hard to write them with a kid. Or it's too hard to write them when they're married. And then they'll, whoop, all right, we changed time and now they they didn't even know they were married. I feel like you're getting a little uh, little Spider-Man angst out right now. Uh, Superman and Lois Lane, didn't they like, whoop, and they're like, oh, they're not married anymore? And I then, mean, that was, the new 50, that was the New 52. That was a whole universe where they split everybody up. They split up Lois and Clark, Barry and Iris. Like, they split everybody up. Well, Lois and up. Clark and Superman and Lois are the same person. People. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Uh, but I, it just sounded more Spider-Man to me, what you were saying, because you sounded, sounded like you are talking about an individual character erasing it as, uh, as opposed to the New 52 where they wiped everyone's I didn't say anything about Mephisto at all. And then you you kind of alluded. Your, you your, alluded a little bit. Um, but I, you know, they've they've done it in DC. They've done it in Marvel. That they, it's there's certain things that just kind of get really 
where it's it's very it, it gets cheapened for fans. The longer you re- the longer you read, the more you get abused by these comic book companies. So when they do stuff like this, like this has no weight to me. It has no weight to me at all. Killing her off has some weight though. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I like it. I like the prospect of it. I lo- I've liked the proposal story and everything, but does it have weight? No. Batman trying to kill the Riddler had weight. Like that moment had more weight because it's something we really haven't seen, and it's a dark moment for Bruce. Uh, the pur- proposal, as enjoyable as it's been for me, hasn't like landed. Like it hasn't been not like this like heavy moment. It's just a, a story in a comic book that you know we know is going to go one way or the other, and blah 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 blah. How many monkeys did you give it? I'll give it four. Four point two monkeys. Oh man, this 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 last issue ruined the whole. I was really in it. I was like, because I thought it was about Kite Man and like that journey and where it was going and like, because there was a lot of emotion around Kite Man, and you he know, was the joke. I know he was a joke. I I get that part, but like, there was a lot of emotion built up in that, and like there was it's it's weird how it how it twisted and ended and. It just didn't land well with me. I'm going to give it 3.5 robots. And it's over. Benito. I know. Where Where do we go from here? 33? Rules of engagement. Ah, uh, really? Who writes this shit? Uh, t- Tom King writes this <laughs> Rules of engagement? Oh Rules my... of engagement. Oh, God. I... As a matter of fact, yeah, if you read the official uh, exclusive from USA Today, he kind of talks about what's coming next in Rules of Engagement. He says, That's tough to do. In 78 years of this character, he lives in every kind of medium humankind can produce, but we've finally taken you someplace you haven't seen before, so we're going to explore this. He's calling the next storyline Rules of Engagement, but not everyone will be rushing to the Gotham City, Bed Bath & Beyond to pick out wedding gifts. Batman has just made a decision very out of character for him, and when the news gets out, everyone has a reaction, from his Gotham family, including loyal butler Alfred, to the entire Justice League and the rest of the superhero community. Some people are going to think, oh my gosh, he's gone insane, we need to fix him. And others will go, he's gone sane, we finally have a Batman we've been looking for, King says. Most superheroes, you make them happy and you end conflict. You give Spider-Man a wife and where do you go from there? But Batman's the opposite. You give him happiness and you create conflict because he's fundamentally a sad character. So yeah, that kind of goes with what uh, you and I were talking about earlier. Yeah. uh, I'm tired after War of Joker Riddles. Go take a nap. No, I'm emotionally tired. Two different things. No, you can still take a nap. I'm old. I can do that. I like it. Naps are good. I didn't nap when I was younger, but then like the you know a little siesta, you're like, oh wow, this is this is nice. You pretty much start napping again when you're in college. I think that's universally the time that most people start napping again in their lives. Oh no, I see. I never no. It's I didn't nap until I was like 38. I I, I fucking burned that shit at both ends of the the candle. That's what you gotta do, man. It's life. Don't waste it. Life moves pretty fast, you know. Uh, if you if you don't stop to look around once in a while, you you, you might miss it. Uh, you're busy taking naps. You're missing everything. I just shrugged again. <laughs> Why am I shrugging on a podcast that no one can see me? It's shrugging? probably because your exposed shoulders are out. You're like, oh, I'm gonna 
I'm gonna shrug a lot with my shoulders and my uh, my pasty white skin. It's the lighting. It's so pasty. Oh man, that's the problem with being a nerd in Florida. Is when you're like even remotely pasty, it's full on pasty. Do they have I don't a, look like a nerd though? Do they have? You look like an you have. You are speaking into a microphone with headphones on, with glasses, and a Batman muscle shirt, pasty white. Like, it doesn't get much nerdier than that. Okay, maybe right now. At this moment, I look kind of nerdy, I guess. Oh, man. That is funny. Did you just screenshot? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Dick. Oh. Do we, do we say goodbye to Terry in this podcast? I think we can pour some out for our fallen homie. Uh, Terry Collins, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Um, hopefully they got you a really cushy seat in the front office. And uh, don't pick on the uh, youngins so much. Who's replacing him? Uh, Hernandez? Keith? <laughs> yeah, Keith. I would nah. go with, uh, I would take a Ron Darling before I take a Keith Hernandez. Out of the booth. I, I just said Keith because uh, I saw someone like tweeted that as a joke and people ran with it and they were like, oh my God, Keith Hernandez is going to be the next manager. Uh, I want, I would, my, I would be more of a Mookie Wilson guy. Like Mookie Wilson. Mookie. Yeah. yeah anyway, just grab one of those 86 guys. Just some, not, someone, just not some, Lenny Dykstra. Just please no, God. Oh God yeah, I immediately take back what I said. <laughs> Uh, now I would like to see a younger guy, somebody more into like the sabermetrics kind of thing, but it's tough because you need somebody who's got like, can pull the gut feeling as well as analyzing the sabermetrics. It's hard. I'm glad it's not, uh, that's not my job to have to find the guy. Oh, I would be like, I would be the Mets manager right now. I would like, I thought you were like, I don't want to be the Mets manager, but like, no, no, I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I'll take it. No, I can't handle the pressure. Oh, I totally, dude. I would have, I would have so much bubble gum in my mouth, and I'd be like crunching numbers, and like, I mean, I probably have an aneurysm like week one into it, like the first yeah. week of playing. But Grant, Matt Sardo, manager of the Mets, uh, died one week into his tenure. <laughs> <laughs> He's also uh, the only undefeated Mets manager of all, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have gone like eight and zero, and then like had an aneurysm. Te- technicalities. I know. Hi, uh, Anthony. You have a good week of books. I will be at Uncanny Heroes this week going live. I have tons of things to say about this Batman and and some other books that I would like to talk about. Cause I want to give some like a little bit more, you know, a little, little yeah. addition yeah. to this podcast. Yeah, everyone should be checking that out. So, take care, my friend. You too. Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation. After the show, follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host Anthony is also on Twitter at the underscore great underscore eight. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. If you have a chance, we'd greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? There are so many people that made the 15th episode of the comic show on Monkey's Many Robots a success. Go check out Uncanny Heroes in Tampa and go to nerdroast.com to get your coffee. 
Special shout out to my co-host Anthony Composto. Do not spoil comics, people. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that, guys. Hey, Brando, thank you for being on the show. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Spider Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? The staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps it up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots.